Welcome to the next trip, Boarding Pass One. I'm Doug, joined by my co-host, Drew. Drew and I are both major ad geeks. We also happen to work in the aviation industry, which is definitely a plus for what we're doing here. The next trip is going to cover a range of aviation topics, which primarily will relate to the commercial space, and then honestly, whatever else we end up digressing into. All right. Uh, thank you, Doug. This is Drew. So this is our um, contract of carriage. We're going to discuss current aviation topics. We're going to share personal stories with you. Um, we're going to try and answer your aviation-related questions. We'll keep debates to uh, we'll keep debates at a friendly banter, and we'll attempt to stay on topic, which is hard for me because I have ADD, but I'll do my best. Uh, we are going to keep we're going to do our best to keep the episodes under thirty minutes because your commute time is probably thirty minutes, and we want you to get the whole episode uh, so that you don't miss every anything. And we will uh, attempt to record every few weeks. Uh, with new new material, Doug. Yeah, to begin with, uh, we're going to introduce ourselves. So, as I said at the top, I'm Doug. A uh, little background: I'm a certified pilot. I've got an airline transport license from the FAA and a DC-10 type rating. Uh, I've got just shy of three thousand hours in the DC-10. Um, I'm a flight examiner on paper, uh, although honestly, most of my flying right now is done in a simulator. I'm the chief of simulator certification, uh, which means that. I test the sims to ensure that uh, they all meet aircraft standards, and I get to fly a little bit um, in the uh, in the airplane still. But for the most part, I go through and I I test all the simulator profiles and make sure that everything is good to go. But aside from being a pilot, I'm also a lifelong av geek, and honestly, no, those things are not the same. Surprisingly, not everyone in this industry is an av geek. Uh, Drew is shaking his head. Right now, it definitely agrees with me. Yeah, um, a lot of uh, a lot of pilots I fly with are not, so that's why it's kind of a fun thing for us to be doing this. But I took AvGeek to the absolute next level a couple of years ago when I went and got my MBA in aviation. So at some point, we can probably talk RASM and CASM and yield. But for episode one, I think I'm going to spare you. Yep, and uh, this is actually how Doug and I found each other on Twitter, um, on AvGeek uh, posts and pictures and whatnot, and we started talking. And uh, he's right, most of the AvGeeks online are actually not airline employees. The two of us are. So I, I work in a completely different side than Doug. I'm an airline ops manager for a major airline at uh, a large hub in the U.S. Um, but I've lived hard. Um, I've started, I started my career pushing Cessna's around, washing them, feeling them. A lot of fun, but does not uh, it's not a career. So I went from that working to an express carrier and their operations. I did some unfortunate stints in airline sales in the FAA, and I say unfortunate because I was not very good in sales uh, or security. Um, that was uh, when FAA had security, so I worked there. Uh, let's see, I worked up, worked my way up, and um, I'm currently managing a hub operation, which is really exciting. Sometimes a little too exciting, but it makes the time go by. So, um, yeah, that's me. Go. All right. Before we get into the topics, real quick shout out to Paul and Alex at the Layovers podcast. Uh, if you guys don't listen to them, you need to start absolutely today. In a way, they were kind of the inspiration for this podcast uh, and, and for everything that we're doing here. But uh, it's not just layovers. If you guys are listening to us, then we know that you're into aviation and, and you call yourself AvGeek. So lots of other podcasts you guys should check out as well. Av Talk by Flight Radar 24, the Airways 
podcast by the guys at Airways Magazine, Dots, Lines, and Destinations, and the hashtag PaxX podcast. And every once in a while, Brett Snyder, the Cranky Flyer, puts out an interview. Those are always really pretty fascinating, too. Uh, this podcast that we're doing right now isn't meant to replace anything. Uh, instead, it's meant to augment. So keep listening to all the podcasts you guys listen to, and then try and tuck us away as uh, an, another podcast you guys listen to in your commute. All right. So how's your Thanksgiving? Doug, it was great. Uh, I got to say, I got Thanksgiving week off, which in the airline industry, any airline people listening, it's not easy to get Thanksgiving or Christmas off, but I did have the week off. I had a great time uh, with a little bit of guilt because I'm seeing the work emails and all the um, issues with uh, the heavy load factors this week. But no, it was nice to be off. So um, spent time thinking about this podcast and all the ideas um, that we have. So um, pretty relaxing week. How about you? Well, first of all, answer this honestly. How often did you check Fly Radar 24 at your, uh, at your home it, base? Um, where I work right now? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I check it on my phone. We actually check FlightAware. Oh, yeah. I can put it up no, I meant, I meant while you're off this week. Oh, while I'm off? How often did you check it for your home base? You didn't. I mean, I checked it. My mom was coming for Thanksgiving, so I watched every movement of her flight from San Francisco to Washington. So I was on it for that. What about you? Or do you check it constantly? I do. Yeah. No, I, I'm always always on it. Uh, this is a, a conversation that we could definitely have an, another day. We could probably spend yeah. 30 minutes talking about mm -hmm. how often we check it. And my wife will tell you that I check it way too much. And I don't need to know right. what what airplane that is flying over. But no, I do because if I don't look now, then it's gone forever and I yeah. won't know. I saw a good meme about that. We'll have to post it to our, our Twitter. Yeah. But, um, yeah, my Thanksgiving was good. It was uh, pretty low key, did, did uh, some things with some friends, uh, but I was traveling on the busiest day of the year and the second busiest day of the year, uh, thanks to a red eye flight last night. So 51 million Americans, I think I saw, were, were going to be traveling over the, the holidays. And uh, lucky me, I got to encounter it on the roads heading to the airport, on the train heading from the road to the airport, the crowds at the airport, and then pretty packed flights. So that's kind of how I ended, ended my, uh, my Thanksgiving break. Yeah, so Doug seems like a railroad warrior because I would be dead. After yeah. <laughs> I think you slept maybe three and a half hours on the plane, which I can't I, sleep on plane. I did, yeah. So I actually posted to Twitter. I I shut down the club at the at the airport last night. And I, I think mm -hmm. the last time I shut down a club was probably in college, um, not not an airport lounge. Uh and then my flight was delayed another thirty minutes. So I had almost two and a half hours between when the lounge closed and when my flight left. And yeah. I was Flying from Oakland to Atlanta, um, I, every time I do a red eye, I say I'm never doing another red eye, and then here I am on another red eye. But I I fell asleep before we took off, and I woke up when the gear came down. You, you know that little jolt that you feel. I was yeah. out, absolutely out. Doesn't mean that I'm not exhausted today. Yeah, and well, the airports, not, the airports were nuts. The, the Escape Lounge in Oakland, which is really nice, by the way. I've become a big fan of the Escape Lounge. Have you been to one? No, I've never. I've never even heard of it. It's, it's, it's like a mini Centurion. 
Okay. Um, it's not, I, I'm not entirely sure if it's owned by American Express. It's part of their global lounge collection and you can get in with the, the platinum, the Amex platinum. You yeah. can also buy day passes and, uh, and whatnot, but it's, it's like a, a mini, very small Centurion. But anyways, really nice, but it was absolutely jam-packed uh, in there. So I had dinner sitting across some stranger who I didn't even talk to. I tried to make small talk, and yeah. they didn't want to talk. So that was fun. But, um, yeah, then flew through Atlanta. So not only did I fly on the two busiest days of the year, but I also flew through the world's busiest airport on the two busiest days of the year. Uh, the Sky Clubs were packed. The airplanes were packed. I volunteered. They asked for a uh, volunteer and they ended up not needing me, which I was a little bummed about. We were talking about this earlier, you and I, because if I had been on the flight that I was confirmed on after my original one, I would have been on a Delta MD-88, which possibly could have been my last time flying on that. Um, and in a strange twist of fates, my luggage didn't make it onto my plane, but it did make it onto the Mad Dog uh, from Atlanta to Oklahoma city. So I'm not, so that's, that's interesting <clears throat> because most airlines wouldn't move your bag. If you volunteered, they must've had a very, very strict weight restriction to have to take that bag off. So yeah. Or, or they knew that I would be upset at my bags for flying on a mad dog. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, hopefully your bag had a nice trip on a mad dog. Yeah. So that's, that was my, uh, that was my travel and my Thanksgiving. Uh, all right, moving on. So first thing that we're going to talk about is a little bit of aviation news. Um, I don't know if you saw, but the first A380 is, is. done. It's been scrapped. Um, they started it sometime over the summer. Uh, it was Airframe 003, which was formerly operated by Singapore. And one of the, I believe it was two that they retired in 2017, uh, which means it's soon going to be beer cans. Um, Air France also just kind of quietly retired one of their 10 uh, just at the end of last month. Didn't make a lot of news, but they're down to nine. Um, honestly, it was not all that long ago that Airbus even announced that they were going to shut the A380 down. But I think that this is going to start to kind of be the norm. Uh, we've, we've been talking about 747s being retired and everyone that, that gets sent away. I see all over social media. Um, people kind of doing eulogies for them. But honestly, I, I think the A380 isn't that far behind. So what are your thoughts? I agree, Doug. I mean, the A380, that's, that's the stuff of Abgeek dreams, right? You have a huge plane with two decks, a bar on board, a shower. Um, so I think a lot of us, especially in the Abgeek world, we wanted that to succeed. But in reality, you know, it was probably too big. It, there's only a few markets where a plane that big works maybe from Narita to San Francisco or from Heathrow to New York. But, um, you know, I work for a major carrier and the American carriers haven't bought the A380. And I think that was a smart move because, um, we prefer to have multiple flights, um, during, in the, um, for our main flights or our main hub to hub flights. So from San Francisco, there's three flights a day from Dulles. Uh, sometimes a year we have four flights a day and that's what the customer wants. They don't care about the airplane like you and I do. They just want to get from point A to point B and they want to choose um, what time that they depart. So um, yeah, it was a, a nice idea, but I think um, 
customers and airlines were looking for something else. And the other thing is, you know, more airlines, I'm hearing now that Air France is turning away from the A380 and they're replacing those flights with 777s. Um, I know Qatar was a customer for the A380. I yeah, they, 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 st they still have them. Um, everyone who took one still has it. So no one has completely gotten rid of it. But yeah. um, everyone except for pretty much Emirates uh, has kind of put an end date on when it's leaving the fleet. And I think even Emirates has said sometime around 2030, which is crazy to think about. That's it's only 10 years from now. And there are still A380s being produced. The, the last ones, I believe, are coming offline next year. And there's no secondary market for them. And I, Have you flown an A380? I actually have not. No. Oh, wow. No, it's amazing travel experience. It's almost like it's not moving. Yeah, um, I've, I've heard it's super quiet as super well. Quiet. And that bar on board on Emirates, we flew from uh, Sydney to Christchurch. Four-hour flight, I think I spent three hours at the bar. It was, <laughs> it was like no other experience. Um, but it's amazing, you know, um, talking to my neighbor next door, he made a good analogy. It was like, kind of funny. So he flew an A380 before I did. It was on Air France. And I asked him how the flight was. He said when it was landing, it felt like a, being in a building crashing into the ground. <laughs> and when you think about it, it's like a four-story building, right? Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, it weighs, um, I, I, want, I think it's over a million pounds. Yeah, it is. is. Yeah, which is just crazy to think about. But uh, honestly, you... my, well, my thoughts, I said back in the early 2000s, uh, now granted, this was before um, Facebook and Twitter and social media, Although I'm sure you could probably dredge up some comments that I made on airliners.net somewhere, but yeah. I I wasn't going to be surprised if it ended up like the Concorde. That was that was my initial thought. Um, even in the early 2000s, it just seemed like um, things were starting to move the way of two engine. Not a lot of the the VLA, the very large aircraft. Now I know that Boeing was was thinking about doing the 747-8 at that point. They hadn't gone ahead with it yet but um i i just i didn't see it as a viable thing at that point which is why i said i, I thought it would end up like the like the concord it, it really is an unnecessarily unnecessary technological marvel i mean it's an amazing airplane but it wasn't needed and honestly if if it wasn't for all of emirates um orders i, I think they have pretty much half the order book of the entire A380. It would yeah, be a lot. About 100 or something. Uh, I want to say it's 130, 150, okay. something like that. I, I'll, I'll have to look it up. But uh, if not for that, they it really would almost be like the Concorde. Um, I mean, not quite in that small, but um, Emirates fleet is larger. Oh, here, uh, I just looked it up. 123 okay. uh, total orders is what Emirates has. Um, the next closest airline, is Singapore with 24. That's 24 deliveries. I think they're down to 22 now. Uh, and then there are 14 airlines who have them. The other 12 have 14 or less. So it's very much an, a niche airplane that like you talked about was meant to be kind of free up some of the Heathrow congestion and, and whatever, but passengers want frequency. And, and we can yeah. talk about it on the opposite end of the spectrum as well with all the regional jets part yeah. of the reason why why um a lot of flying <clears throat> between 
say San Francisco and LA, you know, two major cities in the U S is done by regional jets is because everyone wants a flight every 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes. And yeah. You can't, you can't put a seven, three or even an a three nineteen, a three twenty every 30 right. minutes. There just isn't that much demand, but there's demand for seats. And so that's, that's kind of what did the a three eighty and just like, um, kind of how that's going with the regional jets right now. Well, yeah. And you were talking about, they want to flight every 30 minutes right now, the carriers, American United and Delta, I believe they do have at least United and American from the New York area to London. They have a flight every hour in the every hour. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Joe traveler is not looking to see if they're on a seven sixty seven or an A three eighty. They really don't care. So I think that's what's um, taking over. And, you know, I thought that slot issue would be a selling point for the A three eighty to London Tokyo, other airports with slot issues, but I guess not because I guess the airlines have the slots they need, you know, if they can operate almost hourly. Yeah. Yeah. I think United just picked up, uh, they were missing one, one hour at some point in the evening. I think it was the eight o'clock or the nine o'clock. And for next summer, I think they just picked up a newer key throw uh, at either eight or nine. I, I don't remember what the press release said, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically every hour from one of the New York airports, so it's crazy. we got to move on to the next topic, but we have to just mention, we got to have an honorable mention for the 747-8. That is a beautiful plane. Once again, as a business uh, decision by Boeing, I think that too, like the A380, it, it wasn't the right time. Um, but I love seeing Lufthansa flying them, Korean, Air China. Um, do you know of anyone else? I think it's just those three. No, it's just those, yeah. Um, there are several cargo uh i know cafe has them on the cargo side yeah. uh i think silk air um ups definitely uh, I, I can't remember what else but i mean uh those airplanes are, are going to be around for a long time on the on the freighter side and i wouldn't be surprised if some of the passenger variants get converted just like the 747 400 but moving on um i know that this has kind of been talked about ad nauseum but I do want to bring up the Project Sunrise, the Qantas Project Sunrise, which is, uh, for those who don't know, you, you probably do at this point, but Qantas is testing out this ultra-long-haul route from JFK to Sydney and from Heathrow to Sydney as well. But because we're new to the, uh, the discussion, the, the podcast scene, if you will, I do just want to talk about it real quickly because I know that we both have some thoughts. Drew, go ahead. So I'm laughing because I, I think that um, Qantas is pulling off a, a PR coup right now, right? So I've seen this on CNN. I've seen it on other channels, all featuring this um, this Project Sunrise where they're flying for, what is it, 19 hours from uh, New York to Sydney? It uh, depends on the winds. It could be, yeah. could be 20. But oh, yeah, I think ni- 1915 or 1916 was the, the first flight. Okay, so... That's great, but Singapore Airlines is already flying from uh, New York to Singapore, and I believe that's 18 hours. So is it a real stretch for customers to be on there for another hour? Do we really need all these studies and all these cameras and stuff? So I I think it's a good PR move by Qantas, and they haven't even announced whether they're actually going to do it. Um, They're trying this Project Sunrise now from London to Sydney, I believe. So we'll see if, if it works. I'm sure they'll fly. They will fly that flight. But for now, Doug, I think it's a PR move. I think it's a good move by Qantas to get more exposure for these these routes. 
Yeah, it, it kind of surprised me that they're doing this right now because they're not going to launch it until 2023. Yeah. So we're three years away and, and they're doing these tests. And Qantas is an ultra long haul airline, regardless. Yeah. They fly from the bottom of the world to everywhere else that's not in the bottom of the world. You look at their entire route network, aside from inter-Australian routes, the Kiwi route over to New Zealand, or a couple things in kind of the South Pacific, they're going to Dubai, they're going to San Francisco, they're going to Los Angeles. Those are not short flights. Depending on the winds, those are probably 14, 15 hour flights. So does that qualify as ultra long haul? Eh, I don't know what is ultra long haul, but still you can do the testing on, on things like that. Um, I, I just think it's really interesting. Now that said, I want to do it. <laughs> well, I want to do it too. Of I, I want to do it. So the ab, the ab geek in me says definitely I want to do it. Um, which I, I think that now that we've got a, uh, a Twitter handle up for the podcast, we need to yeah. start hashtag av geek goals. Yeah, there we go. We can put that on bucket list. Yeah. Uh, but now you do know. Oh, no, I'm not even I'm not even talking about discussion. Well, yeah, we can do that. But yeah. I think we need to we need to start tweeting. Let's get hashtag Avgi goals. Avgi goals. Yeah, yeah, we can get them trending. Um, now, you know, with Qantas and all this fanfare about Project uh, Sunrise, I think maybe I dubbed it this way or maybe I saw it someplace. Air New Zealand is launching a flight. I believe it's in October 2020. It so is. It's, yeah, it's, Rise is what I think I hashtagged it with. And no fanfare, 787-9 in October 2020. And that is, um, I think it's only an hour less than this Project Sunrise flight. So one, um, Air New Zealand is actually doing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I've got a couple couple thoughts on this, aside from the fact that I, I do want to do it. Um, I've heard about that Singapore flight, and I heard that they did this on the Qantas flight too, was that they, as in the air crew, are and the um, the people who are doing the investigations, what the scientists and yeah. whoever else, whatever else, others. Exactly. So I I get really frustrated on a flight when they try and set my circadian rhythm, or they try and tell me yeah. when I should eat, um, based on whatever the local time is of where you're going because I've been in situations where I'm only going somewhere for 24 hours and I don't want to shift my circadian rhythm. I don't want to do that. Or uh, I was on a Cathay flight from LA to Hong Kong a few years ago. It was one of the night departures, so midnight departure. Um, I had come in from Denver, had a really tight connection, didn't have time to get dinner at the airport. I figured that we would eat pretty much right away like you kind of typically do within the first hour we were three to four hours into the flight before meal service started so two things on that that was four o'clock in the morning for my body clock and I knew that if I went to sleep I was going to stay asleep and I wasn't in business so it wasn't dine on demand I knew that if I fell asleep I was going to stay asleep and I was going to miss the meal and this is a 16 hour flight so right. if I miss the first meal I'm not getting one until an hour an hour before landing so I, I, it just, it frustrates me. And then uh, I don't remember how long it was into the flight, but at one point they just turned all of the cabin lights on for a couple of hours and then turned them back off again. And then we landed at five o'clock in the morning in Hong Kong. And I couldn't like, I, this was before 
Singapore was, was doing their uh, Newark Singapore flights again. And so I, I was really curious as to why they were doing that until I heard from people who were on the Singapore flight saying that it's the airline trying to sync their circadian rhythm. So I think that's what Cathay was doing. And it's frustrating because you don't always like not everyone who's on the airplane wants to sync to what the airline is, is trying to make you sync to. Yeah. I, I would prefer to do that myself, you know, and also half that flight, if they're going, if they're flying Cathay Pacific to Hong Kong, probably we can check, but Cathay Pacific probably has at least 50% connection traffic. So yeah. that, that time period that they're working to set everyone up for may not even work for half the customers anyway. Exactly. Because they have onward connections somewhere else. Yeah. As a nav geek, when I get on a plane, I'm looking to have my cocktail and then I want my food and then I want to go to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll figure out my circadian rhythms, you know, whenever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one, one more thought on that as a long haul pilot myself, I think all these tests that they're doing are silly. Do you know how much training I've had in, in how to fly long haul, how to set my circadian rhythm? How much? Zero. 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 I have never had a class. I've never had anyone teach me what to do. You just figure it out. You figure out what works for you. What works for me doesn't work for the other pilots that I fly with. Everyone has their own things that they do, their own diets, their own whatever. So having a, a dietitian, having some sleep therapy expert doing yoga in the airplane, you know, wh whatever they're doing doesn't work for everyone. Not to mention, not, not to mention the, the yoga thing that they're doing. When you have a plane full of people, where are you going to be doing the yoga? It's easy when you have 40 passengers, when there's no one sitting in the back. Everyone's in business class. Exactly. Yeah, they just spread out in the aisles. But when, when it's a full airplane flying from JFK to Sydney, it's not like they're going to turn on the lights in the middle of people's naps and say, okay, everyone get up, time to do yoga. Because this is what I'm talking about. It's a I, good guarantee, I guarantee that that business person who's paying $15,000 for a business class fare yeah. is not going to be pleased when the lights come on and the crew comes around and it's says, it, namaste in my bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, interesting. Yeah. But having said that, we both want to do it. So Qantas, if you're listening, you want us to try it out and check it from an av, av geek perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's one more test coming up uh, in a couple weeks. So we want to be on it. All right, uh, final piece of news here, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this because I have a feeling it's going to be a recurring topic for us. It's been a recurring topic in every single news outlet and podcast forever. If you haven't figured it out yet, it's the max. Yeah. Um, now, the only, really the only thing I want to bring up on that is Boeing rolled out the first 737 MAX 10 last week to very little oh, fan. The MAX 9. The MAX 10. So the max. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the max. Uh, the max nine's already flying with. Um, I want to say Copa. Uh, I think Fly Dubai United. United. Um, uh, I think American just has the eights. Okay. But uh, yeah, so it was the max ten that rolled out. Uh, didn't receive a lot of press, which is understandable. But is the a new airplane type rolling out a big deal? Not necessarily talking about the lack of press, but it is the Max 10 being rolled out a big deal? It is a big deal, but anything with the with the title 737 and Max is not good right now. And you know, we'll keep this quick. But my thoughts on this is Boeing is a 
very reputable company. I love Boeing. You know, I would choose Boeing over an Airbus usually. But um, this whole thing with Max is upsetting. I wish that Boeing would just come out and say, we know what the problem is, or we don't, and this is, or we don't, and this is what we're doing, and we'll have an update for you. This whole vague, you know, not knowing when it's going to come back or what the problem is, I think it's upsetting people, especially its customers. So, Boeing, if you're listening, just come out and tell us what you're doing. You know, we all make mistakes, and just tell us what you're doing to fix the problem and when, you'll, when you think it'll be back in service. Yeah, I know they were hoping to get it certified this year still, but um, I just saw over the weekend that I think they're having some more issues. So it's looking more and more like it's not going to be in, until next year, which so that's that's something I've thought about, too. It's only a couple of weeks, but what a, what a, uh, a moral letdown going from one year to another. You know what I mean? Even if it delays just a couple of weeks, getting it recertified next year just sounds so much worse than getting it certified, recertified this year, even though it's just a, a finite point in time. It, you know, it, it doesn't matter what, when New Year's is, whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I just think it's a kind of a moral letdown for them. But the Max 10 being rolled out definitely is a big deal. Big deal to the employees, mainly the, the people who are working on the line who have had absolutely nothing to do with the upper management crisis at Boeing. Um, it's something that they put their blood, sweat and tears into for the last however many years. And so to be able to, to see this kind of get, get rolled out, hopefully start to start to fly soon because, uh, a lot of the maxes have been flying. I think people don't realize that it's not certified to carry passengers, but they've been flying. Boeing's been doing tests with them. Even airlines have been allowed to do one-time flights to kind of reposition them, whatever. So I don't know when the Max 10 is going to start its, its testing, but this is a big deal because this is the first new Max variant to get rolled out after the crisis. So if Boeing is going to kind of re, I don't want to say rebrand the Max, but if they're going to refocus people's attention on the positivity of it, this is where they can start because it's a, it's a brand new airplane that hasn't flown since all of the MCAS issues came up. So it's a, it's a fresh start. Unfortunately, it's only 10% of Boeing's total order book for the MAX is the MAX 10. So it's a very small portion, but I think that this is, this is kind of how Boeing can circle the wagons, if you will, and, and just get everybody back to square one, back to basics. So definitely... Definitely. You're saying with a successful Max 10. With a successful Max 10, exactly. Yeah, but I don't think any of these are going to fly again until the issues with the 8 and 9. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely not. But what I'm saying is this is the first new one that's being rolled out since all the problems. Yeah. So once, once the 8 and the 9 get recertified, then Boeing can kind of say, look, the 10 brand new kind of, I, I don't want to say clean sheet because it's not, but I yeah. think that this is kind of that first Thing that Boeing can use to to hopefully start to um, put the, the issues in the past, if you yeah. will. <clears throat> the marketing is important, though. So either a statement. I wonder if they're even looking at changing the whole name of it to something else. Like yeah, other changes. And yeah, I I know uh, there have been a couple um, couple things like that. Ryanair took the Max title off of a couple of their airplanes. Okay. Um, and I think that when IAG placed that order over the summer, they said the 737-8 was 
They didn't say the 737 MAX 8. Um, Boeing is still calling it the MAX. FA is still calling it the MAX. Yeah. Um, but I, honestly, I, I don't know if, and I've talked about this on Twitter with some people, I don't know if changing the name is really going to do anything. Because there are airlines, and I'm not going to I'm not going to name names and and throw anyone under the bus here, but there are airlines who are alive and well today that once were uh, airlines with really bad reputations for safety Correct. and maintenance. Yeah, you're right. And they rebranded. Yeah, it's the same airline. It's a rebrand hoping that, hey, look, if we put uh, lipstick on a pig, people aren't going to notice. Now, that was pre-social media. So I, most people probably don't realize that the Everglades, Everglades crash back in the, the 90s, that airline is one of the biggest airlines in the United States today. Yeah. I'm not going to name names, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying um, – Without social media, no one really – they kind of slipped it, uh, slipped it past people. Yeah. I mean, this, that, that's a good point. But, you know, that just that word, 737 MAX. So my mom was flying here when this whole thing was hitting the fan, and she um, said that she was on a 737, and she, and she told me, don't worry, it's not a MAX. This is not an av geek at all. This is someone who can barely tell the difference between a 747 and a 777, and she's reassuring me, don't worry, I'm not on a MAX. So, I mean – with time, maybe people will not think about that in a negative way, but we'll see. We got to move on to something positive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's debate. Uh, okay. Something that I saw on Twitter recently was uh, this guy who took an upgrade while his partner was stuck in the back. Yeah. I didn't read the article because I think it's a. I think it's silly that an article was written about it. I don't even remember what what um outlet it was on but it blew up on social media so what what are your thoughts on this topic so this is an easy answer for me doug you never and app geeks i know you know you want to spend some time in a nicer cabin and a nicer seat but it's not worth it uh for the um, payback to your loved ones your partner your mom your wife um, just take the economy seat and give the upgrade to someone else so I'm an airline employee. I've sat in the front cabin enough that I don't feel like I'm really missing anything that I haven't seen before. So it's a no-brainer for me. Just a quick story. I was traveling with um, my partner and our parents to Argentina. And, of course, you know, they had five more seats. There's five of us, three first class, and uh, two in economy. <clears throat> so my partner Robbie is moaning and groaning all the way down the jetway because I've told them we're going to get the parents first class seats and I will put an economy. It's not going to, it's not the end of the world. Um, they got us good seats, emergency exit aisle. So no issue. So we're on this plane <clears throat> right before they close the door. This customer service supervisor comes down and tells us, all right, I have one more seat in business. There was no discussion. There was no debate. Robbie was gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was okay. It was okay because I would have offered that to him anyway. I was just concerned that there wasn't even, you know, do you mind? And I will tell you, my mom is the only one who came back to the back to see how I was doing. Um, everyone else was sipping champagne um, in business, of course. But that's okay. I'm glad they had a good time. They should have sent some caviar back for you. 
Oh, well. What about you? Yeah, so my, my thoughts on this, um, I've, I have gotten upgraded several times with my wife. Like, we, we both have been upgraded, so that is a moot point. But there have been times where I've been upgraded and she hasn't, and I offer it to her. 95% of the time she says, I don't care. You take it because I know it means more to you. Mm. So at that point, uh, at that you point, really mean that, though. She, no, she does because okay. she says, I, I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink. Like I, I, I know that, that you enjoy it and this is your world and your realm. You take it because if I'm up there, I'm just going to be doing work. I, I really don't care. There have been times where I've offered it to her and she's like, yes, I need it you need to sit in the back with the kids because mm-hmm. I need to get work done. Like okay. I have a press release or, or whatever I have to work on. I will gladly take the upgrade. All right. Now one, one thing that really does make her upset though, is we have only been upgraded when it's the two of us together a couple of times. My daughter and I, on the other hand, it seems like every single time we fly together, we get upgraded. Wow. But my wife, my wow. wife and I, when we fly together, we don't. So my wife is um, kind of holding that over my daughter. In fact, um, flight attendant a couple months ago brought my daughter some apple juice in a plastic cup and brought me a glass of scotch in a glass. And my my daughter goes, Daddy, I wanted the glass. I don't want the plastic. And I was like, you know what? We should probably fly a little more coach. Yeah, we've we've got a problem there. (laughs) Um, So yeah. If you take the upgrade or if you have the upgrade, you have to offer it. You yeah. have to. Um, I, I don't think there's really any debate on that. Well, uh, I think that wraps up all the topics. Uh, yeah. We uh, we just have, so, you know, we said that we would keep this to around 30 minutes and we're over 30 minutes now. But uh, we have a couple things um, we want to talk about. Just real quick, Doug, I want to talk about this poll that we took at. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean. It is really interesting. So um, Doug and I did a poll on our um, Next Trip podcast Twitter page, and that's uh, at Next Trip Podcast. Took a poll to see if you had a choice, um, would you choose an extra legroom middle seat? So that would be an economy plus or a comfort plus. What does American call it, Doug? Uh, What do they call it? They call it uh, economy extra. Yeah, with two A's, something like that. So (laughs) you think... (laughs) Would you take that, right? Would you take a middle seat economy plus comfort plus? Or would you take a window seat in the back of the plane with a middle seat open? So to me, this was obvious. I would 100% of the time take that window seat with the middle open because I want some shoulder space. And as far as legroom, I can put my legs, you know, in the area of that middle seat. So did a poll, and sure enough, 96% of the responses agreed with me, um, that they would take that window seat with the middle open. Now, having said that, it's all Av geeks, and the Av geeks want to look out the window. So I'm wondering if that's more of uh, the reasoning than the middle seat. So you you posted this poll a couple days ago, yep. and something that I have noticed is most flights, longer flights, um, especially in the premium cabin. Um, the advanced bookings people take the aisle because you want to get up. You don't want to have to step over someone, whatever. Last night on my red eye, everyone took the window. All the advanced bookings 
were in the window. It was the the last minute upgrades that were put at the aisle because you sleep against the window. So yeah. I I think that um, most people, even if they're not av geeks, would probably still take that window seat with the empty middle over the extra legroom possible amenities because some airlines have free free drinks whatever in their yeah, we um, in their economy plus so so that is one thing that might sway some people too yeah, um sure. and I, I know that on um especially on the transcon routes I, I know that um american delta and united all have upgraded catering for yeah. their um economy plus comfort plus whatever you want to call it um seats so that that might kind of sway people too and so that that's where it's not it's not a, a give or a take type thing it's a, a black and white like there there are all these variables that i think will change people's minds well all right so let's stop right there so middle seat for doug right with free alcohol and a nicer meal does that sway your choice no no yeah me neither no i mean i'll, I'll pay five dollars for you know whatever they're offering yeah. as far as food so yeah, um, yeah, interesting poll. I didn't think it would be almost a hundred percent preferring the window. We should ask some civilians, see what they think might be different. <laughs> some <so>. civilians. <laughs> like it. All right. Um, yeah, you want to um, finish it up? Yeah, um, I think that's it. Everything that we have on the list. Um, what's your next trip? Yeah. So the next trip for me, we'll actually be with you, Doug. Uh, we will be going to Los Angeles and San Francisco and doing some airplane spotting and uh, talking more about this podcast, which we're very excited about. Um, that's the next trip for me. And uh, so that's our next trip. But then you have uh, other plans after that uh, early next year. I do, yeah. I'm, I'm on a work trip in Oklahoma City right now. Um, go home and then spend the holidays and almost the entire month of January at home, which is definitely much needed uh as an av geek I, I hate to say this but i kind of am looking forward to staying at home for a little while to get caught up in personal things and uh work on the podcast yep. a little bit it's kind of <laughs> exciting but um i had a daughter born earlier this year and so my my travel was kind of condensed down to pretty much nine months and even then i basically doubled uh all of my previous records for number of flights for distance for all of that. Uh, and I'm finally going to be able to take my paternity leave. So doing that the entire month of January, uh, which is going to be awesome. So that's, uh, that's what I've got coming up. But, um, again, I just want to thank everyone for joining us for, uh, the first episode for boarding pass one, please, please, please send us feedback on what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to hear us talk about. Honestly, we're open to anything. Um, I can, can accurately say that at this point, we haven't done the same thing twice. Uh, episode one. So let us know what worked and we'll, we'll kind of tweak it from here. All right. Thanks, Doug. So uh, uh, Doug and I have talked about a lot of stuff uh, and we have literally thousands of ideas falling out of our pockets. So the goal is to going to be make it concise and make it something that everyone can digest without having to listen to us banter for three hours. Uh, we said 30 minutes. We're currently at about 50 minutes. So um, we went on some tangents, but they were fun. So, um, so we have a lot of good ideas for the next episode. Uh, we're going to do a decade in review, and then we'll also uh, make our predictions for the next decade. 
So uh, thanks for joining us and um, keep us in mind when you're driving and you want to listen to something fun about aviation. Tell your friends. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast. That's all one word. Uh, or you can email us at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. This has been Boarding Pass number one. Until the next trip.